0: Welcome back Giants fans so it is the bye week of course there is no game preview for this week the Giants get going next week versus the Texans on November 13th but For this week at least, we had a Joe Shane press conference, he talked to WFAN, he had another video that the Giants posted, so Joe Shane kind of made the rounds this week and talked to reporters and media, so we'll talk about some of his quotes and possibly some hints about the future of this team. We'll talk about the trade deadline and the uh, lack of moves the Giants made, they pretty much did nothing outside of the Kadarius-Tony trade, so I'll give my thoughts about that. And then we'll talk about the uh, second half schedule what I expect, what I hope for, and things like that. So hopefully you guys enjoy the video, and let's get into it. So it feels like there's two sides of the fan base, and there's people that are really, I guess, pissed that the Giants didn't trade for a wide receiver, and there's some people like myself that are kind of just playing for the future in a way. Um, I didn't want the Giants to give up any day one or day two assets. That means picks in the top three rounds to get a wide receiver for this year. And I'm sure you guys saw the trade compensation for Chase Claypool with the Bears and the Steelers trade. I think the Bears had to give up a second round pick to acquire Chase Claypool. And Claypool's a fine player. He's on a rookie contract, still 24 years old or whatever. But, um, That's not a guy that I think I would be thrilled about giving a high second-round pick for. I mean, the Giants, record-wise, are in a better spot than the Chicago Bears, so you would assume the Giants are going to be picking lower in the second round. Chicago might be a you know, five or six win team when it's all said and done. I think they have three wins right now. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're like three and five or whatever. So that claypool pick, if the, you know, Bears kind of bottom out, that can be a, you know, top 40 pick or so. And that's you're talking about like a near first round pick. If you're the Giants, that would have been more in the late 50s or so, hopefully. Well maybe, you know, mid to late 50s if they're a playoff team like we're all assuming. But at the end of the day, it's still a lot of draft compensation. And you know, Jerry Judy was a guy that came to mind for many Giants fans. I think Judy could be a borderline wide receiver one in the right like situation, but I don't even know if this is the right situation. I guess he would get the most targets on this team, but the Giants have proven to be more of a run-heavy team so far. Um, that could be because of their personnel and lack of wide receivers. If they got Jerry Judy, maybe they passed the ball more. But look, I mean, we know about the Evan Engram experience with his drops. Jerry Judy has drop issues of his own, and that would probably drive a lot of fans, like, crazy. I know that Judy's another guy who is, like, 23, and he's in, like, his third year, and he has a lot of upside. He's an awesome route runner, can make big plays happen. He's the type of guy, kind of like Odell sometimes, that can take a slant to the house. I saw it happen last year a couple times. But the asking price for Jerry Judy seemed like it was going to be at least a first-round pick. Like, people fail to realize that when you're talking about getting these big-name wide receivers, look at some of the trades that went down to get Devonta Adams and Stephon Diggs and Tyreek Hill and A.J. Brown. They all included first-round picks, and I'm pretty sure Devonta Adams cost two first-round picks. So, to get one of these big-name, high-end wide receiver ones you got to give up a first-round pick in pretty much every case. I guess there are instances of guys hitting the market in their prime at wide receiver. I'm trying to think of one now. Like, I guess you could have said Allen Robinson this past offseason. He was 28 years old and he was coming off a down year, but he went to the Rams and he has not been producing so far this year. So even testing that out in free agency sometimes is a risk. And I do think if the Giants are going to get a wide receiver, which I do think they will, it's going to be in the draft or in a trade. I think they can possibly, if they don't like what's on the board in their first round, it could be like AJ Brown. Like the they made that trade on draft night. So if the Giants are picking, let's say they're picking 21st, 22nd overall, and the Giants are on the board and some really good wide receivers up for grabs and the Giants, you know, think they are the right team to take on that wide receiver, then we could see a draft night trade if they don't like who's on the board. But I just, I don't think this team is one player away from being a Super Bowl contender. This right now is a playoff team. And of course, anything can happen in the playoffs. We saw this with the, you know, 07 Giants, the 2011 Giants. Those teams were better in my opinion, roster wise, but you never know. Once you get to the playoffs in the NFL, Anything can happen, like, you know, injury luck and certain plays go your way, certain calls go your way. You never know. So, the Giants, they would have helped their chances of winning this year if they acquired a Chase Claypool type guy, but that's not going to put you over the top as like a top five odds or even top 10 odds team in winning the Super Bowl this year. So, I don't really have a problem with Joe Shane quote unquote sitting on his hands and i don't want to put it that way because joe shane said in all of his interviews that i listened to that he was trying to get somebody not just a wide receiver but some player that was going to help this team and um, he did call about wide receivers specifically and he did say that the giants cap situation put an end to a couple deals he had an interesting quote in here somewhere we'll go through his quotes later but he had an interesting quote saying that although both teams meaning the giants and the other team they were negotiating with agreed on the compensation it couldn't work cap space wise. So it is possible that the giants had a trade done for a wide receiver or some other uh, position player. And, it just couldn't work because the Giants are not in a good cap situation. So that's another part of it as well. Like people talk about, you know, how could you not get a wide receiver? Well, you got to look at the cap situation too, because that's not pretty. I know trading Kadarius Tony got some cap off the books, but that's a guy on a rookie contract. He was a 21st or 20th overall pick. So it's not the highest cap number. So that can only do so much. So let's go through the quotes. He pretty much mentioned he was trying to get any player that was going to help this team that made sense. He mentioned in an interview with uh, Sean, O'Hara I believe it was that you don't want to shop hungry and you have to set a value on a player and if a team is asking for too much then you just gotta let it be and just look for the draft or free agency so I like that mindset because if you're coming out here with this aggressive mindset of we have to get a wide receiver at the deadline or else you know bad things will happen that's when teams overpay and i don't want the giants to overpay i don't look at this year as a super bowl year for the giants i mean look as i said anything can happen of course but um i think more realistically that's kind of like a year or two down the line and i think joe shane recognizes that too i think joe shane has a timeline that he entered this year with and said look we're not going to be that good this year obviously the giants have very much outperformed a lot of people's expectations from the start of the season. Like if you ask people uh, two months ago, would you think the Giants are six and two at their bye or two and six? I would say like 95% of people would say they'd be two and six. So it's been an unexpected start to the season for the Giants. But Joe Shane is still staying with his plan and staying on on course, and I do like that. I don't want a GM who's going to overreact based on emotion because his team has won a few more games than he has expected to. I think he realizes that, and I do like that because you have to have a long-term, big-picture approach, and Joe Shane completely gets all that. He did mention that he's hopeful for Kenny Galladay to return versus the Texans first game out of the bye which is, what, like eight days, nine days away? So, you know, I don't know if Galladay is the answer to our problems. He's probably not, but um, Galladay should help. I think he's still a more talented player than uh, David Sills. I will say that. He's better than uh, Marcus Johnson. So if you have a you know three wide receiver set of Galladay who hopefully looks healthier, Darius Slayton and Wondell Robinson, it's not good, but it's also not like the worst thing in the world. I guess there are worse receiving cores in the league. Maybe not, but you know what I mean? It's not as bad as what we're dealing with right now. So getting a healthy Galladay hopefully could help in getting Daniel Bellinger back, which Joe Shane mentioned that they were hoping for that Detroit Lions game, which is week 11, three weeks away from now. But um, he said that might not be realistic. I think a realistic expectation for Bellinger maybe should be like that week 13, December 4th game, home game versus Washington. Because, of course, after that Detroit game, it's a quick turnaround. They play on Thursday versus the Cowboys, which is Thanksgiving. So that might be too quick of a turnaround, only four days for Bellinger. So I would say maybe December 4th for Daniel Bellinger. That's what I'm hoping for, at least. He mentioned Daniel Jones. I think Daniel has done a good job. Um, I do want to talk about this quote, though. He said this on the podcast with Peter Schrager. He's on um, Good Good Morning Football. I'm pretty sure he does a podcast because, yeah, he posted this on his podcast. I didn't listen to it yet. I have it saved in my like downloaded or saved area for uh, for podcast, but I have not gotten to it yet. But this was an interesting quote from Peter Schrager. And this is a time when Joe Shane was scouting Josh Allen, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. And Allen threw four interceptions during that game where Joe Shane was scouting him. So obviously, if a quarterback throws four interceptions, you would think any scout would come away from that game saying, sheesh, that guy freaking sucked. But Joe Shane gave him a plus grade. And that should really tell you the type of quarterback that Joe Shane's going to look for with this team. Now, I don't know how he feels about Daniel Jones. He can say whatever he wants to the media, but he'll never tell the entire truth about Daniel Jones. I think we know that. Like He's not going to go on the radio and say, well, Daniel's a nice guy, but he's kind of limited in certain areas. Joe Shane's not going to say that. Like he's, He's way too smart to just go on the radio and say that about his players. So, I do want you guys to realize that Joe Shane cares more about kind of the intangible tools. You know, a guy, you know, how big he is, how strong he is, his arm talent, how far can he throw the ball? How does he do throwing on the run? How can he extend plays? Areas that Daniel Jones has been better at this year, but is that enough for Joe Shane to go all in with this guy for the future? And I don't know. I mean, this kind of like, This quote here kind of makes me feel like, oh, he wants an Anthony Richardson type guy, a type of guy who has all the tools in the world, but just has to put it together more mentally and more consistently. So I have no idea. We'll find out what happens. As I said, I've said this before, and Joe Shane just said it too. There are nine games left or eight games left, whatever it is, to find out what Daniel Jones is. And yeah, he said there's nine games left. It's a constant evaluation about Daniel Jones and even Saquon for their possible contract extensions. He said, I'm pleased with where Saquon is. He said he's had talks with Saquon about being here in the future, and it seems like Saquon's on board. And Joe Shane pretty much says, as long as they can agree on a price, that Saquon Barkley should be back here for the future. Now, of course, the franchise tag can be used on either guy. The franchise tag for a quarterback is going to be more expensive, obviously, because I think the way franchise tags work, it's like it's the top five guys, or maybe it's 10, top five or 10 guys at their position, and it's the average of that number. So for quarterbacks who get paid the most, obviously, that number is going to be way higher than running backs. I forget what the running back cap number is. It might be like $12 million per year or something. And, you know, a franchise tag is only a one-year thing. For a running back, that probably makes more sense. I saw somewhere, it might have been on like Spotrack, Spotrack, that um, Daniel Jones is like market value. Here it is. It's three years, $76 million, an average salary of $19 million per year. So that's what Spotrack's or Spotrack is kind of thinking Daniel Jones's contract may look like, whether it's with the Giants or some other team if he hits free agency. So, You know, for anyone that is dead set on bringing Daniel Jones back right now, you have to ask yourself, would you give him a three-year, around $76 million contract? So for me right now, only being like eight games in, it's a bit much for me. I do want to see how these final, you know, eight games play out before having a real set-in-stone opinion on that one, but I would say for right now, at least, the Giants... I guess the best thing for the Giants would be to bring Jones back because, like, they're not going to be picking high. So you don't want to, like, trade up and mortgage your whole future for, uh, you know, a, a quarterback possibly. I don't think the Giants want to trade three first round picks to move up in the draft this year and get a quarterback, maybe, but I don't think they want to go about it that way. I could be wrong, though. Like, the Bills did trade up for Josh Allen, if you remember. So, I mean, he was, Joe Shane was there for that. So it is something that could be a possibility if they really love a certain prospect. So somebody asked him, was, being 6 and 2 harder to not be buyers at the deadline and Joe Shane said you have to step back and honestly evaluate the roster. So that's what I mean. He just has a big picture view of this team. He is not looking at 6 and 2 and thinking that is the end all be all and thinking that this team is Super Bowl ready. I think he is looking at the entire roster realizing that this team needs work in certain areas. Of course, you're gonna think about the linebacker position, the interior of the offensive line, um, cornerback depth, and you know things like that. Maybe even some pass rusher depth because I don't know if Zimenez is part of the future. We'll find out about that. Of course, wide receiver, I forgot to mention that. He mentioned he wants to do what's best for the future for a three or four year window. So Joe Shane's kind of thinking in that way of like what... Is the best for this team over the next three to four years he's not operating for just this year you know i've pretty much made that um, known by now and he's had trade talks for guys with expiring contracts so he in a way he has tried to make this current giants team better but once again he did not want to overspend when you're paying for a guy on an expiring deal sometimes it's not that attractive so you know if a team was asking for like a third round pick for an expiring contract guy but joe joe shane thought He was worth no more than a fourth-round pick. Like, you're not going to just give him that third-round pick because you're desperate. You have to, once again, set a value on a player, and that's going to be the max you're going to pay. So Joe Shane didn't see a deal that he thought was worth making for the Giants' current situation. So someone asked, are you committed to Daniel Jones long-term? He pretty much said, we have nine games left. That was kind of his thing. Like, he was not going to—I think for Saquon, he was more— he pretty much said, I was, it might have been on Tiki and Tierney on WFAN that he had more conversations with Saquon Barkley about being here long term. He didn't go into it with Daniel Jones. So I kind of feel based on what he said that Saquon Barkley has a higher chance of being back here next year. But I don't know. The Daniel Jones thing is fascinating. I have no idea how it's going to play out because, once again, I don't know if Joe Shane wants to pay the guy three years and around $75, 76000000 million. But I I would say based on how he spoke about Saquon, I think I feel better about him being back here next year the most out of those two guys. I mentioned that the Giants not having enough cap space factored into not doing a couple of trades he mentioned, so that part of it sucks. Dave Gettleman's still haunting the Giants. Um, The Odell Beckham thing, Odell is a possibility. He definitely did not shoot it down he said he would be an upgrade to the roster. He's a good player. So yeah, Joe Shane, he recognizes it. Guy knows ball. Let's be honest. Odell Beckham is still a good wide receiver in the NFL. Last time he played with the Rams a year ago, he was looking really good, like a very high-end wide receiver too, or even like a low-end wide receiver one. Odell Beckham was, uh, you know, he wasn't the same guy he was with the Giants in his prime, but he was still pretty damn good. I would say he was a top 20 wide receiver last year in the NFL when he was healthy with Los Angeles. Shane did mention that he said, we got a call on one Player and it was a hard no. So I'm assuming that player is Dexter Lawrence because I feel like, you know, Lawrence is a guy that the Giants want to not build around but definitely keep here for the future. He has completely broken out this year and has done so well in this Don Martindale defense. So I don't think Dexter Lawrence is really on the table here for this team. So I'm assuming that the hard no was for Dexter Lawrence. I could be wrong, but I, that's just the vibe I got. So there is at least one player on this roster that Joe Shane got a call about and just said no. So I think it's Dexter Lawrence. Shane said that receiver is a position we called a roundabout. So I think some people had this idea that like Joe Shane wasn't even trying. Like that's that's kind of BS. He was definitely trying to get wide receiver upgrades, but it just didn't work. And this was an interesting one. It kind of brought me back to what the Bengals did in the draft a couple years ago when they were between Jamar Chase and Penay Sewell. And if the Giants ever get in a similar situation like that, while Joe Shane is the GM, i I think this answer right here kind of tells you what he's thinking, and he would do the opposite of what the Bengals did, because he said that one of my goals was to make sure he, meaning Daniel Jones, could stand on his feet. So, you know, Shane definitely made the offensive line a priority for Daniel Jones coming into this year, and I think Shane knew that the wide receiver position, because of the uncertainty with Tony and even Galladay to an extent, that it could have been rough this year but um he definitely wanted to make sure the offensive line was good enough for Daniel Jones. And I think so far the Giants offensive line it hasn't been like perfect by any means, but I feel like it's also not as bad as it has been in years past. Like I'm going to look up the PFF grades right now for the Giants offensive line. Like they're they're 16th in pass blocking, so right in the middle of the league. And run blocking wise they are also 16th. Oh no, that's just running in general, sorry. Not not 16th. 13th. They're 13th in run blocking. And they were 16th in pass blocking. So according to PFF, they're like a slightly above average offensive line. So you know, I wouldn't say Joe Shane is completely done building this offensive line. I think we have our tackles of the future. He mentioned Andrew Thomas a couple times, how impressed he is with him and how he's a great person. So Andrew Thomas is probably definitely here for the future, for the long haul. But I do think Shane did a pretty good job for the situation he was in to make the offensive line better, getting a reliable veteran in Mark Lewinsky, who I think started out pretty bad, but has been better lately. And, You know, of course, there's going to be guys like John Feliciano, guys you have to plug and play for for a year, like a stopgap type guy. Ben Bredesen, who was here last year, getting the gates back and healthy, so we'll find out what happens with him. But yeah, the Giants' offensive line, outside of that Dallas game, has not been like horrible. Like they have not lost them a game outside of that Dallas one. I get it's a big thing because they pretty much single-handedly lost them the game, the offensive line, but. I would say the other seven games, the offensive line hasn't been terrible. Um, They weren't great versus Seattle, but I would say – like they had really good reps and really bad reps against Seattle last game like they had there were times where Daniel Jones had a really good pocket and there were times where maybe Jones held onto the ball too long so it made the offensive line look worse and I think on next gen stats like looking at the week uh, what was that week eight versus Seattle of all quarterbacks Daniel Jones was up there in like you know highest time to throw so Daniel Jones like had time in that game but there were specific plays where the pass rush got there pretty quickly so yeah the Saquon Barkley quote that Joe Shan had was we'd like to Keep him around here. So, yeah, I mean, Joe Shane has been pretty open about wanting to keep Saquon. I don't blame him based on the year he's having. Um, I don't want to give Saquon over three years, personally, because we know once uh, running backs get in their late 20s, it gets a bit spooky. So, you don't want to have a bad contract. I mean, we always go back to the Ezekiel Elliott contract, but. I don't know, Jerry Jones loves that guy, so I guess that's a different case, but you get what I mean. So, um, for the Kadarius-Tony trade, Joe Shane didn't want to speak too much about why they did it, just out of respect for Tony and things like that, but he said it was best for the organization, and I agree. I mean, getting a third and a sixth for Tony, I mean, you'll take that because I feel like they were pretty much lucky to get anything at that point, so I mean, to get a third not the worst thing in the world. So I do think Tony's injury was kind of fake now that we're like hearing stuff about him with Kansas City. Andy Reid said he's going to play this week. So I don't know. I I, I just, you knew the Giants needed wide receiver help and Tony apparently wasn't even that hurt. So it must've been something more. You know what I mean? Like it's not just the injury. I thought it was just the injury, but no, it's, it's more than that. So uh, there's a reason Kadarius Tony's not here anymore and it is what it is. So that was it for like the main quotes. I want to see if I post anything else. There are rumors about Julian Love getting a contract extension, which uh, I would be in favor for. I think Love is a very solid player. He'll never be a you know the best safety or the best corner on the team probably, but um just a very solid role player, I guess you can call it. So. Love is a guy I would definitely like Love to keep around, so hopefully that deal gets done. And now we'll kind of shift to the second half, the schedule. The Giants are six and two, so I guess we'll just go game by game and kind of what I expect here. So the Giants open up against the Houston Texans. We just saw them play last night versus Philly. They gave them a good run for a bit. That game was tied at 14, and. It seemed like Houston was going to put up a fight, and then Davis Mills had some bad interceptions, but they were without their top two uh, wide receivers, Nico Collins and uh, Brandon Cooks. As a lot of Giants fans talked about Brandon Cooks lately about a possible trade, he was missing from that game. But I would assume, like, I'm going to try and guess what the spreads would be for these games, assuming nothing big changes, but you never know. But um, I would think the Giants are at least, like, three and a half point favorites versus Houston, so... No game for this team should be like a look ahead because the Giants have to take everybody seriously because, you know, we're the Giants. But still, um, they should be favored to win that game by more than a field goal, I would assume. Then after that, you're looking at the Detroit Lions. The Giants are home for that game, 1 o'clock once again. The Lions are a bit of a better team than the Texans. Definitely a more explosive offense, but their defense also sucks. So if the Giants' offense is... Do a much better out the bye, then yeah, the Giants should probably win that game. But you know, if the Giants' defense is not playing well, I could also see Detroit winning a high-scoring game. So that's kind of a toss-up. But I would expect the Giants to win that one. Then Thanksgiving, you're at Dallas. That's gonna be a tough one, of course. The Giants normally don't do too well in Dallas, so I think we know about that. I don't think they've won there since the uh, Terrence Williams game, 2016. So um, they almost got them in 2020, but uh, yeah, we haven't won there in a long time. So. You know, It's not an automatic loss, but that is a tough team, obviously. Then your home versus Washington extended rest. It's a 10-day rest at that point. So your home versus Washington, 1 o'clock game. I like the extended rest. I think Washington has been playing better with Taylor Heineke, who does make some mistakes, of course. Like, Heineke plays kind of reckless, but he does produce enough high upside plays to have Washington's offense look good. So, you know, they're no pushover anymore. Terry McLaurin's playing at a higher level now. So, um, yeah, I mean, I would think the Giants could win that game, should win that game at home. They might be favored by... I don't know, three, maybe three and a half at that point. Maybe it's only two and a half, but um, they should be favored to win that Washington game. Week after that, it's the Eagles. The Giants are home for that game. That's going to be a big one. Week 14, shit, the Eagles might be undefeated at that point still. I don't even know. But, you know, I would say the Giants, I guess, have a chance if they play a really perfect game versus Philly. But I will say the Eagles look pretty unbeatable at a lot of points because They are an offense that can beat you with big plays. They can beat you with long 13, 14-play drives. They have shown they can do that. They can run. They can pass. Um, Defensively, they're getting really good pass rush. Their cornerbacks, Bradbury, Darius Slay, Chauncey gardner johnson guys like that are playing very well. So yeah, that Eagles team, unless something changes, I would think the Eagles are probably favorites on the road by... I don't know how many it would be, maybe like five and a half, six points. So it would would be a decent amount. So the Giants would definitely have an uphill battle for that. After that, they're at Washington. So they get Washington two times in three weeks. That game is uh, TBD for the time. So I guess we'll see. That's like a week before Christmas. It's a while away. Um, But yeah, Washington, once again, um, it's not the toughest place to play at, but you know, the Giants have done well versus them in recent years. So hopefully we can sweep Washington. That'd be great. I guess a split at worst is hopefully the outcome. Outcome. Then they are at Minnesota. That's a team that record-wise they're playing very well. I think they have one loss this year. I'm pretty sure Minnesota is six and one or seven and one, six and one. I think it is. So yeah, they're playing good football. They're getting good production from their pass rushers once again. Offensive lines playing the best they have for the Vikings in a while. And, you know, Kirk Cousins with those weapons is doing pretty well. I think their tight end Irv Smith is out, but they just traded for uh, TJ Hawkinson, who we will not get to see in the Lions game, but we will see him in the Minnesota game, assuming he's healthy. So they got an upgrade there. But the Giants, they will be underdogs in that game, assuming that things kind of stay the same. I would assume Minnesota's favored by like four and a half or something like that. So um, yeah, it's going to be another uphill battle. Then home versus the Colts, a game that you know, a couple months ago, it looked like it was going to be a very tough one, but the Colts have pretty much bottomed out. Um, they should get healthier by then. I know that um, Shaquille Leonard has dealt with injuries and now Jonathan Taylor has been hurt, but you would assume by then, unless those guys are shut down, that they should be a healthier team. Sam Ellinger, I guess, will be the quarterback at that point, unless he's just completely terrible. And at that point, it might be Nick Foles. So um, yeah, the Colts game, I would say the Giants will be favored, but I don't know. The Colts will be interesting because if Ellinger's is good, the Colts, they might get more buzz and they might be looked at as a better team. So, But right now, at least, they are not a good football team. Then you finish out with the Eagles at Philadelphia. We are hoping at that point they are resting their players and we can face most of their backups. That would be definitely ideal. So the games I think the Giants should win are Houston, Detroit. I will say split with Washington. And then like you win, hopefully, the Colts game. Get yourself to at least 10 wins. And then, if you can maybe somehow, you know, try and handle Dallas on the road or take one of those Philly games or even at Minnesota, take just one of those games and you'll be an 11 win team. So, I think that'd be pretty ideal. Um, they will lose some games here, obviously. There are some tougher teams on the schedule, but they come out and have two easier matchups with Houston and Detroit. So. That hopefully will lead us to 8-2, and but we'll find out what happens there. But yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm so far really satisfied with Joe Shane, how he's going about like leading this franchise as the GM. He is not making any stupid moves that will jeopardize the future. He's looking towards the future, looking to build for the future, trying to have sustained success with this Giants team. And that's all I've ever wanted. That's why I had a lot of uh, disagreements with the way Dave Gettleman went about things when he took this job back in uh, 2018. So yeah, hopefully Joe Shane's process, you know, the process is looking great. The results are yet to be seen. It's too early to call him a great GM, but so far I am very confident in what he's been doing so far as the Giants GM. And same thing with Brian Dable. Of course, it's been great. The coaching, Kafka, um martindale it's it's looked great so far so kafka if he continues at this rate might get a head coaching job one day martindale i don't think so i feel like that's kind of past him by now but you never know so hopefully our coordinators are not poached in the offseason but that's also a wait and see but yeah hopefully this team can get to 11 wins i mean maybe even 12 but 11 would be great based on what the expectations were coming into the year that would make them a playoff team It seems like the Eagles will win the division, so I don't think they'll get a home playoff game, but they might be on the road to face a team like Minnesota or the Bucs, Falcons. I don't think they'll keep this up, but I would say the Bucs, Minnesota, whoever comes out the West. I don't know who's going to come out the West. I mean, Seattle, I think, is in first right now. I would assume the Niners get their crap together, so I would say the Giants' most likely outcome is probably playing in the wildcard versus a Vikings team, the Buccaneers, or the Niners, which they will be underdogs in that case. But of course, anything can happen in the playoffs. We've seen it before with this team in the past. So that's pretty much it. But I'm excited. like We have finally seen a good Giants team for the first time in a while, and they're winning football games. That's all we can ask for. So that's going to do it for the video. I hope you guys enjoyed. Leave in the comments your expectations for the second half, your thoughts on Joe Shane so far throughout his Giants tenure, and I'll talk to you guys next time.